Pastor Larry, I'm just going to ask you to come on up. Uh, pastor Larry Dorman is a senior pastor from Country Faith Church in Clearbrook, Minnesota. He's here with his wife, Becky. Becky, you should uh, wave. And uh, So I'm glad that you could uh, be with us this morning. And uh, just excited to hear what God's doing. Awesome. It's great to be here. This has been a rich morning of worship already. Amen. It is a joy um, to travel and go to churches. I know I've experienced this on the mission field, but I experienced it in the U.S. too, where you just go wherever you go. There's people who love God, the God of the Bible, the true God, and it's just so good to be together and worship together. I've enjoyed uh, getting to know Pastor Tim. We've been doing, um, getting to know each other over the last year or so. I've had a few meetings together. Pastor Steve Pomp has been kind of a liaison, uh, Pastor in Strike. And it's really my privilege to be here with you guys today. We've enjoyed it already. Met some old friends that we didn't know were here, and that was special. Had some new friends that came down because they live here, and uh, so it's really good. Um, let's, just, let's just pray. Join me. Father, God, we just thank you for your greatness. We thank you, Lord, for the camaraderie that we have because of your spirit dwelling in us. We thank you for Jesus who made that possible by giving his life for us, cleansing us, making us vessels fit for you to come in and live in and lead and guide. And we just pray now, Lord, that uh, during this time of sharing, getting into your word in a little bit, that you would touch every heart as you see fit. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. So I want to start out, um, Pastor Tim asked me to do a few things. I'm going to try to accomplish that. I'm going to start with a little picture show. So um, if we could put up the first picture, please. Um, I thought it'd be good to spend 45, 60 minutes showing you old pictures from my family album. <laughs> but that, I'm the little guy. That's my mom, Millie. My dad was Izzy, and that's my older brother, three years older, born in New York City. Next, please. Into a Jewish family. That is my bar mitzvah picture. Anybody ever hear of a bar mitzvah? It would be like a confirmation. I was 13 years old. I know I look very pious there, but we were a family that went to synagogue on the holidays. I went to Hebrew school so I could perform my haftorah at bar mitzvah, but there was never any faith in my home. There was never any prayer. Uh, the concept of God was kind of foreign and impersonal. So uh, let's go to the next picture. Four years later, I'm 17. Uh, I'm not proud of this, but it is reality. That's me on the right. My mom used to plead with me and say, please, Get a haircut, you look like a wild man. She called me the wild man. And, and by the way, that was all natural. I'd just get out of the shower and dry my hair, and it kind of did that. Okay, 17 years old, down in Miami Beach, Florida, a trip I am thankful I survived. <laughs> Spring break. Next picture, please. Then I left with my buddy Bernie, two Jewish guys traveling, hitchhiking cross-country, and we were both uh, wondering. We hated New York City. We loved camping in upstate New York, and we just wanted to go out and see America. Two significant things happened on that trip. I heard the gospel for the very first time. Grew up in New York City. I was kind of an athletic type hippie guy, so I played a lot of ball. 
I had friends that were Catholic, Protestant, you know, different Protestant denominations. I never knew anyone that really believed in Jesus to the point where it affected how they lived and how they spoke. So my, my Gentile friends, who I thought were Christian friends, Catholic and other denominations, they got, they went to church, they got confirmed. I went to synagogue, Hebrew school, I got bar mitzvahed. We were all really glad to be done with that stuff so we could get on with life and have fun. Never met anyone that seriously lived for God that, that was born again that I knew of. So I met somebody in the Grand Canyon who ultimately I went to visit and his daughter and her fiance were born again Christians and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with two Jewish guys. I, I waited for a pause and I said, by the way, I just want you to know we're both Jewish. We don't talk about Jesus, you know. And I thought it would quiet them down. And they said, you guys are Jews? I said, yeah. Well, Jesus was a Jewish. He's your Messiah. And they even got more fired up to share the gospel with us. So thankful for that. Okay, so I, I met the guy whose daughter that was and a few months later where we stopped and stayed with them. And then I also met this cute blonde gal from Minnetonka who was down at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. She was with a high school group and they were doing uh, Canyon Lands and there she is. I just thought, I'm gonna marry this girl, so I did. And uh, so that's my beautiful wife, my better half by far. And by the way, I apologize for the picture in your bulletin. I'm not this guy who's insecure who wants to try to look younger than he is, but it was taken off our website. We've got to get that picture replaced. It's like 12 or 15 years old. Um, this is us when we were 21 and 17. No, 19, 19 and 23, that's right. We met when we were 21 and 17. So, and now, this is current as of like a month and a half ago when our granddaughter, Emma, graduated high school. She's in the middle with the dark hair. And those are our four children, our four adult kids, their spouses, and our 13 grandchildren, which hasn't happened in three years where we've all been together. And we feel incredibly blessed that uh, these young kids who didn't know who God was and were doing crazy things, God got a hold of us changed our lives, and we feel incredibly blessed to have a beautiful family, and most of all, to have Christ leading and uh, leading our lives. So that's just a little brief history, and you can take the picture down now. I know that's, that is a nice-looking family, isn't it? Yes, if you don't look at me. Um, Becky was not Jewish. She grew up in a home that went to church occasionally, uh, her dad ended up getting offended, so she really didn't know the Lord either. And when we got saved in 1977, God, by his grace, just swept us into his kingdom and really radically opened our eyes, changed our lives, and we just dove in headlong. Uh, there were some incredible things happening in those days. Strawberry Lake was one of those things. Barry here somewhere, there's Barry. Yeah, I met Barry at Strawberry Lake. We had some significant times of meeting God and growing in him there. But neither one of us had a church background. We really didn't know what church was. I went into St. Patrick's Cathedral when I was walking in Manhattan. I went to high school in Manhattan. And um, I just thought, man, that's such an awesome building. I'm just going to go in. And that was my only time ever in a church. And it was more like sightseeing a building. I'd never been to a church service. Becky didn't really hardly ever go to church as well. So everything was new to us. And we actually started reading the Bible a lot. 
God gave us a real hunger for his word, and we started reading about what church was in the book of Acts. And you know, we decided we're going to believe this. <laughs> we're going to believe what Jesus says about church. We're going to believe what the book of Acts says about church. And so we just had such a desire to see church be church. We started out in Assemblies of God Church. Um, we attended, we moved, we attended a country Bible chapel that was not uh, a, a church that believed in the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit. Of course, the Assemblies of God did. We went to charismatic fellowships. We, we, had, we weren't church hopping. We were just very hungry. We were going to different places. And something happened where, to just summarize, we saw that ch churches either seemed to place a large emphasis on the importance of Scripture and the authority of the Word, and we're very soundly teaching through Scripture. Other churches were just, uh, just really into worship and the life of the Holy Spirit. And, and what we found was the churches that were focusing on the Word seemed to be lacking life. And the churches that were focusing on, you know, the life of the Spirit seemed to be lacking solid biblical foundations. And something began to rise up in our hearts. This is before we ever even imagined pastoring. And there was a heart cry, God, we'd love to have a church that is sound, soundly grounded in Scripture and has healthy guidelines uh, for living, but also fully alive in the Spirit. And that was the cry of our heart. And then given the opportunity to go pastor, that's a long story that I don't have time to get into, that was my heart's desire, is I want to pastor a church that believes in the fullness of the Spirit, but also has the sound practices that are outlined in the Word of God. Somebody once said, uh, the picture is, you know, fire is awesome, but if it's not in a fireplace safely burning, it'll burn the house down. And so we wanted the safety of the fireplace, the, the boundaries of Scripture, and the fire burning in the fireplace. This is that kind of church, isn't it? It is. That's, I, I believe that's what you guys are and want. So that was a little bit of our background and journey. I was called, got saved in 77, and was called to pastor Country Faith Church in 1985. I was only eight years saved. Becky and I both sensed a call to full-time ministry. We started looking into missions. It seemed like the Lord was closing that door. And then we were called to this little fellowship that started. They were meeting in a farmhouse and that was the beginning of Country Faith Church, and we've been there. I started when I was 31 years old. I had no experience other than my church experience. I was not trained in Bible school or seminary. And we just went with all of our heart. We sold our 40 acres and home that we built down by Atasca Park, and, and um, we were glad to do it because we just wanted to follow God's leading in our lives, and we went to pastor this group of wonderful people uh, small group. And again, that was 36 years ago this last March. Time doesn't go fast. <laughs> no, it just goes really fast. doesn't seem to slow down. One of the things that I determined when I began pastoring is I am not going to be a pastor that fits a mold or a box. Uh, I want to be myself. I want to be real. And so I just started out um, trying to be as honest and transparent. I built relationships with 
the elders in the church and people in the church. Again, it was pretty small at that point. And I found out later from being in a ministerium with other pastors that you, they were often taught in seminary and Bible college that you, you don't get real with your congregants. Don't show them who you really are because then they won't respect you if they see you have weaknesses, if they see that you're not this person that they could look, look up to. And I was like, nah, I'm not going that way. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be real. I believe that the Bible gives us a picture of Christianity that's very real. It's Jesus in us, and we, we live our lives for Christ, and nobody's perfect, and we're all here together doing this thing, uh, the Christian life and church. And so I just, I was glad I didn't do that. So I had relationships, I had friendships in the church, um, but as a pastor, I really felt I was still missing something. And I, I, I don't want to go for time's sake into how uh, I knew this guy named Jim McCracken down in the cities that, uh, but we would go to that church. It was called New Testament Church at that time. They've since changed their name to City Hill Fellowship. But that church was kind of like a hub church. It had a calling on it to plant other churches and be a blessing to other churches. And Jim had this kind of ministry where he would go and visit churches and help churches. And I heard, because Becky's sister was going there, we'd go there, I heard they had a pastor's retreat. So I inquired, and I was invited to come to their pastor's retreat, and that was probably 35, 34 years ago. And it was like, wow, this is great. I get to be with other pastors. I get to fellowship with them. I get to hear some of the struggles. How many know there's a reason why the expression misery likes company is there, <laughs> all right? Because it's really, you know, the devil has a way of telling us when we're going through struggles, you're really weird. This is only you. Everybody else has their act together. How many of you know that? That's not true. That's a lie of the devil. And so pastors have struggles, and it was just really good to be with other pastors and be able to fellowship, pray for one another. It was soon, maybe a year or two after that, that I started realizing that uh, this, and there was, the name Truebridge wasn't even there yet. It was all relational. And um, that I heard that Jim will actually come and visit and meet with leadership teams and, and so forth. So we invited Jim. Uh, to come, and, and just as I felt I needed a connection as a pastor to other pastors, we started sensing we need a connection, because we were very, we would almost proudly say we are an independent, autonomous, charismatic church, all right? And like Pastor Tim said, there's something really good about that. But I began to see that, actually, it would really be good for Country Faith Church. By the way, we are CFC. <laughs> You guys are CFC. CFC, right, DL. Uh, so we go by, you know, Country Faith Church, three words, it's kind of tedious, so we, we go by CFC. So I'm the pastor of CFC coming here to CFC. Anyway, so we, uh, and you know what else happened? I go, I look online to get your address. I'm not, believe me, I'm not saying, oh, this must be God. I just think it's kind of a funny thing. I get your address to punch into my phone and the first five numbers are the exact same numbers. Our address is 28048 Mason Drive, and you're 28048 Meadow Drive. Ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> what are the odds of that, you know? So, um, all right. I don't want to take more than 20 seconds on that. But anyway, so we really, we really felt like we need to be 
yes, it's good. And I, I will tell you, every Truebridge church is totally autonomous. Truebridge has no authority, no ownership over any church. We're all kind of unique and different, connected by relationship. There is no authority that has any authority. Truebridge has no authority except what the local church and leaders give to those of us who oversee churches, okay? So we're not taking over anything. So I would like to, I forgot, Tim was going through Ephesians. Uh, I said solidly grounded in the word. And some of you are sitting going, this guy is talking, talking, talking. He hasn't read the Bible yet. How many want to read the Bible right now? Let's do it. All right. I like to call this God's building plan for his church. Ephesians 4. Paul has just talked about Jesus' great triumph over the enemy and his triumphal procession and how he ascended to heaven and poured out gifts to men and to the church. And in verse 11, he says this. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. We call that fivefold ministry. Christ gives to the church these ministries Their responsibility is to do all the work of the ministry. Tim got it right away. Doesn't say that, does it? No, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are not there to do all the ministry. They're there. They're Jesus' gift to the church to encourage everyone to do what God has called them to do. It's to quit, equip people to serve. It builds up the church. It strengthens. Let's go on to 13 and 14. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed in blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So what do you see in these verses? We see fivefold ministry given to the church. We see the church uh, being equipped and edified and growing. And we see uh, this process that says this will continue until we all come to the measure of Christ. How long is it going to continue? Let me just tell you, until he comes. This is going to continue until he comes again. So we see that uh, as people are equipped, there's a a growth that happens. There's spiritual maturity that starts to come into people's lives and into the church itself. We see discernment. We see protection from deception. How many know there's false teaching out there? And lots of it. And some of it is so good that it almost seems like the truth. The most dangerous deception is not deception that's really wacko. It's deception that has a lot of truth in it, but it's got some leaven that spoils it. And so we see fivefold ministry equipping the saints, so we recognize this. There's safety and protection. There's maturity. There's discernment. And let's go to verse 15 and 16. I just love this. Instead of being tossed about and tricked, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, 
the church. Let, let's just get this right away. Spiritual maturity isn't just knowing more Bible verses. You know, there's some cults that know a lot of Bible verses and memorize Bible verses and so forth. Spiritual maturity is knowing more of the Word, but it's also having more of the living Word in your heart. And it's you becoming more and more like Jesus. That that written Word is transforming you to become more and more like Jesus, the living Word. Okay, so here we see that happening. We are speaking the truth in love. We are growing in every, every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He, Jesus, makes the whole body fit together perfectly as, as each part does its own special work. Will you raise your hand with me and just say, I'm a part. I'm a part. All right? We're all a part. As each Part, not some parts, each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Doesn't that make us drool as pastors? That's what we want. That's our goal, is we want to see people uh, growing in Christ. We want to see people loving each other. We want to see people using their gifts, serving, and, and people are growing and maturing and loving Jesus more and serving him and e experiencing the fruit of his spirit in our lives. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. So, um, a couple thoughts here. Let me say that sometimes we mess up as people and we don't follow God's plan. I think one of the most destructive things to the plan and purpose of, of God, Jesus said, I'll build my church, right? And this is the way he wanted to build it. This is what his word says. And when the church drifted into a clergy-centered model, in other words, we hire the professional pastor, priest, and he's the one who does everything, or she, whatever, and we all come on a Sunday morning and just watch and listen. And that the, the pro does the work of the ministry, I think that really undermines the plan of God. So I just want to tell you that that ties right in what it says here, as each part does its own special work. I just want to challenge you that Jesus has given each one of you gifts. He's got a special work for you to do in this church. And I know Pastor Tim and the elders would love, if you don't know what that is, they would love to meet with you, talk, and share with you some of the, some of the needs and some of the ways maybe your gifting can help because nobody in the body of Christ, is called to be a spectator. Everybody is gift, given gifts, and everybody is called to use those gifts to help build up the church, to have a healthy church, a church that glorifies Christ so the world might know that Jesus is real. So I just want to challenge you. If you don't know what that is, you find out. That's your responsibility. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your elders. God has a purpose for every one of us. And I've had people tell me over the years, well, I know God's something, God has something for me. I just don't know what that is. And, and 
Uh, it's almost like I'm not doing anything till I figure out the big thing that God has for me. All right? That is not how it works. How it works is you just walk with God, let Jesus be the Lord of your life, you be sensitive, what is he speaking to you? Opportunity arises, pray about it, and take a step, try it. But I've, ha- I've seen people waiting for the big thing that God has for them, and they never do anything from here to there. Because from here to there, there's a bunch of little steps of saying, here I am, Lord, use me. I'll try it. I'll try worship team. I'll try kids ministry. I'll try helping with the rummage sale. I want to be involved. I want to be connected. I want to use. I want to be a blessing. How many know that Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you need to be a boss that tells people what to do? Did he say that? He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And Jesus said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, learn how to boss people around and tell them what to do. He didn't say that. He said, if you're going to be great in my kingdom, learn to be a servant like I am. So there's just a free thing. I wasn't planning on that. But uh, God's got a special work for you, every one of us. That's really exciting. So this thing called church, Jesus said, I'll build my church. I'm just so glad it's really easy. Brent, Pastor Brent and Pastor Tim look at me going, what planet is he from? <laughs> How many believe marriage is of God? You should. It's not a trick question. He's the one. Adam and Eve, at the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, how many believe marriage is meant to glorify God? Absolutely. Jesus said, uh, there's a mystery in Ephesians that the picture of marriage is like Christ and his church. Marriage is supposed to express God's relationship to us. Uh, how many would say marriage is easy? Mm, yeah. Not, there's one hand back there. You need some counseling, brother. No. <laughs> No. It's not easy. Why? Because you take two individuals that have a sinful nature that we're dealing with. You know, Jesus defeated it on the cross, but we have to walk in it. It's a process of dying to self. We have to grow. So that's number one. Two, to be in unity uh, is, is a challenge. Number two, the devil hates what's meant to glorify Jesus. He really does. How many would say the enemy is attacking marriage? He's been doing it forever. And we're seeing in our culture now more than ever. Because I believe he knows he has a short time. The Bible says that. He's riled up and he knows his time is short. So he's attacking marriage like crazy. Um, How many believe the church is God's idea? Jesus said, I will build my church. Local church is Jesus' plan. We just read some of it. But he said in Matthew, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I think he was giving us a warning, the gates of hell will come against it, but won't prevail against it. How many say church is easy? Have a unity, unified church? It, it's not. <laughs> Number one, we have a lot of individuals with our own ideas and strong opinions and so forth. And number two, the devil hates the church because it's meant to glorify Jesus. Okay? which is one of the reasons, I just want to go back to the beginning of chapter 4 in Ephesians. And 
the end of chapter 3, matter of fact, chapter 3 ends with glory to God in the church through Christ Jesus. God, to God be glory in the church. God wants to be glorified. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples. I want you to go out and show the world who I am. And it's your church that's healthy and loving each other that's going to do that. Therefore, Paul knew this. To God be glory in the church. And then in chapter 4, he says, therefore. And you know when there's a therefore, it's relating to something that was said before. If God is going to be glorified in the church, Paul says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. How many know it's really strong language? I beg you. This is the Apostle Paul. I beg you, Christians, to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Hey, by the way, let's just pause here. Finding your gifts, using your gifts, being connected in church, wanting to see Jesus glorified, that is not a burden and obligation. It's an incredible privilege to know God, to know Jesus, and to live for him, and to have a balanced life that puts him first. It's, it's just such, such an awesome privilege to be part of his family, to be connected in the local church, to build relationships, to do what God's called you to do to make that church healthy and growing and strong as we read in Ephesians 4 later on. So Paul says, I beg you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have in your life to be a Christian. And then he starts to tell us what it is. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. How many know it takes incredible grace to be part of, it takes incredible grace to be married. How many have a perfect marriage? There's nobody. If you raise your hand, we'd have to have counseling with you after church. No, there's no perfect marriage, but how many know it's, it's possible to have a great marriage that's healthy? There is no perfect church, but how many know it's possible to have a healthy church that's glorifying God? And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be a part of. So here he's telling us how. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We, of all people on the face of the earth, need to be people that have grace for each other. We're human becomings. We all have, there's a good, I'll give you a good Yiddish word. We all have our shtick. It's short for shticklach. Every one of us have our little idiosyncrasies. None of us are perfect. We sometimes rub each other the wrong way. We'll get together for the rummer sale. Maybe one of the gals will say something and I'll rub you the wrong way or something like that. You know, maybe not. But if it does, what are you going to do? Go back? Yeah, leave. Or go back and dial all your friends and tell them what that terrible thing was, so and so. You know, when that starts happening, it causes division and strife. But when you do what Paul says here, be humble, be gentle, be patient, make allowance. Have grace for one another. My goodness, the church of Jesus Christ should be the most loving, accepting place on the face of the earth. We still call sin, sin, but we welcome sinners and we believe just like the heart of God is. He loves us even though we sin, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. 
So we're just going to, the love of Christ is going to work in our midst, and we're going to see people changed and transformed by the love of Christ, not by judgment and criticism. Make every effort, verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Let's just stop there. So there we are. So to God be glory in the church. Um, We're so privileged to be part of his church. We're so privileged to be able to love one another, have grace for one another, um, see the Lord move in our midst and see the Lord move in our community. Um, Wow, it's really good to be here. It has really been enjoyable to uh, worship with you, and I agree with Pastor Brent, life in the house. You know what else is a sign of health? Pastor Tim talked about uh, the giving has been good. A healthy church is a giving church. Somebody say amen. Amen. A healthy church is a giving church. It's not the only criteria, but it is the sign of a healthy church when there's people who give faithfully and consistently. So I just want to put up a slide and uh, tell you some of the things that Truebridge, uh, and by the way, I I don't like have a job with Truebridge. Uh, I'm just doing what God's called me to do. I'm the senior leader of Country Faith Church, but I've had prophetic words over me over the years that there's an apostolic call, a call to be a pastor to pastors. And I've been doing that for 20-some years besides being the senior leader. And it's, it's very much relational. Um, so, but here's, I have so experienced the grace and the help of God through being connected to Truebridge myself Uh, When I was a pastor, I went through some tough times. It was so good to have somebody who could come in that had spiritual experience, had real wisdom, and was objective, and to help us as church leaders and as congregation to navigate tricky places. So let me just list some of the things that happen with Truebridge. Number one, there's an annual leadership conference, which Pastor Tim just was down in Marshall in April. And number two, there's an annual pastors and spouse retreat, Usually we meet at Cragen's and Brainerd, and that's in January. And again, meant to encourage and edify and uh, support. Uh, next one, shared resources. Uh, I guess we're experiencing a little of that right now. But there's other times where I know at Country Faith, we've sent worship teams to other churches that we were helping. We've done uh, things like we host Bible camps um, for kids and teens. We host one of those in the Hub Churches come send their kids to that. It's a great time. We just had our kids camp. Number four, support and encouragement for congregations and leadership teams. A lot of times we might be asked to come. We're going to actually meet with leaders after church today and uh, just share, and we might get asked questions that we'll try our best to answer. And lastly, help navigating difficult situations or seasons. And let me just say that that is not, we have found that it really is helpful to build a relationship with an apostolic network and team, uh, not just to solve problems, but to help with health. And then when problems do arise, it's really nice uh, to have somebody that the church knows. I am not here, I almost feel like I'm trying to be a salesman. I'm not trying to be a salesman, honestly. Uh, I am trying to share that I believe that in this call that we have on our hearts and lives to Uh, be the church that glorifies Jesus. It really helps 
that we as individuals are connected to a local church. This is, this is it. This is Jesus' plan, the local church, the body of Christ. But it's also helpful when those local churches that are autonomous, elder-led, etc. but when you're part of a network, it just helps you, encourages you, supports you. And that's what we're here for. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, and again, we're taking this uh, one step at a time, no pressure. But um, I'd just like to pray and then turn it over to Pastor Tim. Is that okay? All right, let's all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for CFC DL, Christian Fellowship Church. Thank you for the awesome things that have happened because of this local church, this body of believers. The, um, I would just say thousands and tens of thousands of lives that have been affected. Uh, not that that many have been in this building at one time, but the missions program, the lives touched, the lives gone out, uh, the, the prayers prayed. You are amazing, Lord, and we are so privileged to be part of your family. Pastor Brent said it well. We, we pray for each other. It's one of the most effective and loving things to do. And I just thank you, Lord, for this church, this wonderful church, and I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to lead and guide. I want to pray for everyone sitting here that they would be challenged by you, Holy Spirit, to take the next step in their faith journey. I just pray, Lord, that none of us would be, uh, I'm just going to quickly share, in canoeing, when there's three in a canoe, the person in the center is called a duffer. They sit with the duffel bags, and the others two do the paddling. There's no place for duffers in the kingdom of God, every one of us. Now, we might take turns, but everyone. I pray, Lord, that you would just inspire everybody in this wonderful church to be actively engaged, using their gifts to serve and glorify you. I pray your blessing upon each one now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Tim. Yeah, let's give Pastor Larry a hand.